Hi, and welcome to the Yak Fantasy Football Podcast. Yak isn't yakking like talking too much, and also like yards after catch. It's a double entendre, guys. I'm Ted, and today we're going to go back in time to 2022 to look at my rankings for that draft class, the first class that I ever decided to make my own rankings for instead of following some random rankings that I found in a Google search. And so, I'm calling this little mini-series here Reading the Receipts because I kept the receipts, my rankings from last year of the 2022 class, and today we're going to focus on the running backs. So we're going to be able to look at where I was more or less correct and where I had misses on guys. We're also going to be looking quickly at where I would have had them slotted pre-draft, although I originally made these rankings post-draft for my fantasy drafts that year. Uh, I've since made up a simple little grading system, as I mentioned in the last episode, for myself so I could go back and compare classes to each other and have a quantifiable number to what I think these guys are able to do both based on skills and traits. And I can use that going forward as well as look back at previous classes. Then we're going to look at where I had them slotted after the draft, talk about what they did in their rookie years, try to project them forward based on that and their opportunities going into this year. So these are actually my rankings from last year and are not revisionist history or anything like that. The only thing that's going to be tweaked a little bit would be where I would have slotted guys pre-draft because I didn't do that originally and I didn't apply those number grades to them when I did that originally. So I'm going back and doing that, quantifying it, but also being true to where I had guys post-draft as well. So first we're going to go and look at where I would have had these guys ranked last year if I had done pre-draft rankings based on the grading system that I made. So I actually went back and briefly looked at the scouting reports that I previously looked at last year for these guys, but I also looked at my notes and took the composite of those, tried to make grades based on specific skills and traits, which are vision, balance, elusiveness, speed, power, receiving ability, and pass protection ability. Uh, vision and balance are weighted more than the others, and pass protection is weighted less than all the others. Uh, I've mentioned before, I think vision and contact balance are the most important traits that a running back can have. And even though I think pass protection is important, it's not important to fantasy necessarily. So I want to keep it on there as something to say, hey, if this guy is either bad or great at pass protection, that could tell you whether or not he's going to have an opportunity on the field because the team trusts them on pass pro downs, then they're going to be on the field more. If they don't, they'll be taken off in certain situations or they'll be in a different role in certain situations. But I do think it's important. I just think it's got less weight than the other things do. So with that said, I'm going to give you my rankings in order of where guys would have slotted in pre-draft here. I'm not going to give anybody what my uh, grades were because those are for me. Uh, but just know that that's what these are based on. Uh, so in order, my running backs go as follows. Uh, Kenneth Walker, James Cook, Damian Pierce, Ty Chandler, Rashad White, Isaiah Pacheco, Brees Hall, Zamir White, Isaiah Spiller, Jerome Ford, Hassan Haskins, Brian Robinson, Tyler Algier, Pierre Strong, Zonovan Knight, 
Kyron Williams, Keontae Ingram, Tyrion Davis-Price, Treston Ebner, and Kevin Harris. And I want to shout out two other running backs as well. I just couldn't find any reliable scouting reports on them uh, because they were kind of under the radar in the pre-draft process. But Jalen Warren and uh, Raheem Blackshear, Warren showed out pretty well as a UDFA uh, going to Pittsburgh, and he's now the primary backup to Najee Harris. He's a good change of pace guy. He's got some receiving ability. Uh, And then Raheem Blackshear showed out in preseason for the Bills, but they didn't have any room for him. And he ended up with the Panthers later on in the year uh, after Christian McCaffrey was traded. And he showed a bit of ability there. He's definitely a threat as a receiver. Uh, But just wanted to give those guys a little bit of a shout-out. Can't really rank them because I didn't have anything to really base that on for them. So those are where these guys would have slotted pre-draft for me. So then you extrapolate that with the situations that they're going into, going into 2022, where their opportunities are, and what draft capital was used to pick them. So this is where we'll actually get into the tiers that are broken down here and the player breakdowns. So I just wanted to give you the list of guys as I would have seen them pre-draft uh, but now that we're here looking back at 2022 and where I would have had them going into the 2022 season, uh, let's look at that and we'll start by looking at what the tiers are here. So the tiers for running backs are the starter tier, the running back by committee tier, the receiving running back tier, the path to playing side tier, the upside tier, and the sleeper tier. So, starter self-explanatory. This is a guy who, going into the season, it was either clear that they were going to be the guy or it was made known that they were the guy. Um, Running back by committee, that's a situation where guy's definitely going to be involved, has the draft capital, uh, definitely has the blessing of the coaching staff to be a guy who's involved in the offense but is maybe sharing the, the workload at the beginning of the year. Then after that, I had receiving running backs, which pretty self-explanatory. Guys who specialize as receivers, they can still run the ball, but I wanted to put them in their own tier because I think those guys can exist and coexist as flex plays with starting running backs who are more two-down guys. Then after that, the path to playing side tier is a situation where I like the talent, I like the draft capital and I like the situation going into the year as potential for them to maybe have some playing time whether there was a starter in question or there was a situation where the starter might get injured or at the very least a handcuff situation and then the upside tier is guys I really liked pre-draft here but it doesn't look like going into the year that there's going to be much of a situation or opportunity for them to carry the load all that much and then the sleeper tier is just in order of where I had them in the pre-draft rankings guys who really don't have any opportunity going for them and they either didn't grade out well for me uh, were picked with low draft capital or have no situation where it seems like they're going to see the field at all so with that said Let's get into it. I have one guy in the starter tier for 2022, and you have to remember at the time there was really only one guy who was specifically named a starter, 
and that was Damian Pierce, who was drafted by Houston in the fourth round. So Damian Pierce, he was my number two running back in the pre-draft rankings. He had good vision, lacks creativity, though uh, he's outstanding through contact, quick enough but not overly so, and doesn't have the home run speed to take it to the house, but was fast enough overall to get chunk gains. Uh, he's a sufficient receiver and has the demeanor to be a pass protector. And what did he do last year? Well, he had a really good rookie year. He played and started in 13 games. Uh, he rushed 220 times for 939 yards and four touchdowns, had a 4.3 yards per carry average, uh, and he received the ball 30 times for 165 yards and one touchdown. So not overly efficient as a receiver, but it was a bad quarterback situation last year. Um, and he was pretty well known as a good pass protector as well. So between the opportunity being there, uh, him being productive, and him seizing that opportunity, Damian Pierce had a really nice rookie year. He looks to be the starter going into next year as well, although he does have some competition for touches with Devin Singletary. I think Singletary will be more of the change of pace guy, and Pierce can be reliable, reliably counted on as the starter and uh, is a good running back to play for you. My next guy in the running back by committee tier, so the starter tier only had one because, as I mentioned, going into the season, even late in the preseason, there was only really one clear starter, at least to me. Uh, my next guy was Kenneth Walker, who went to Seattle in the second round. So, Kenneth Walker, his good feel and allows blocks to develop in front of him. He was able to destroy arm tackles and move the pile, capable of good cuts and jukes in open space, has home run ability, also had receiving ability that was there, but really was only used on simple routes like swing passes. Uh, and the one big knock on him was he seemed mostly disinterested in pass pro at times. So how did he do last year? Well, Kenneth Walker, another guy who had a really good rookie year. He played in 15 games and started 11 of them, and I'll get back to that in a second, which is why he's in the running back by committee tier here. Uh, he had 228 attempts for 1,050 yards and 9 touchdowns. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry. And as a receiver, he had 27 receptions for 165 yards. So another guy who did a little bit in the receiving game, wasn't overly efficient, but he was phenomenal on the ground. And he started the season in a committee with Rashad Penny, and they started him off slow. Rashad Penny seemed to be the guy last year, especially after how he kind of broke out at the end of the year previous, finally being healthy. Unfortunately for him, he got injured again, and Kenneth Walker took the job and didn't let go. So Kenneth Walker going into next year, uh, I assume he's the starter, but Seattle also just drafted Zach Charbonnet, who I really liked uh, coming out of this draft, and he was also selected in the second round as well. Um, so there's going to be a committee there. They spent a high draft pick on Charbonnet here. There's potential for Kenneth Walker to be the 1B in this situation to the 1A of Zach Charbonnet. So that makes me concerned going into this coming year. I do think Kenneth Walker's a slightly better talent, but if Zach Charbonnet shows out as a pass protector, then he can definitely take touches from Kenneth Walker. So if you've got shares in Kenneth Walker, 
I'm not looking to get rid of them, but I am being cautious and thinking about maybe getting Zach Charbonnet in my rookie draft if I have the opportunity to, depending on where you think this is going to go. My next guy in the running back by committee tier, and some people listening to this might think I'm crazy for even saying that this guy was in a committee, but at the time, uh, the other guy, the running mate in this committee, had a pretty good rookie year himself. Uh, So that guy was Michael Carter. Uh, So this guy is obviously Brees Hall, who went to the Jets in the second round. Uh, So Brees Hall has the vision for a zone scheme, is way better vision-wise in the open field, Struggles a little bit with congestion in front of him at the line of scrimmage when it comes to his vision. He's got a very lean lower half that reduces his contact balance, but is able to spin out of tackles pretty well. He makes guys miss in the backfield and the open field. He's a true home run hitter. He shouldn't be relied on to run routes, but he can catch dump offs out of the backfield. And he's a willing and able pass protector. So what happened here for Brees Hall? In his rookie year, he played in seven games and started two of them. And, you know, I mentioned before that I thought going into the year he was in a committee. I do think he overall took over as the running back one. But a lot of these guys are eased in. So I'm not surprised to see that Michael Carter was probably considered the starter going into those games. And, you know, I thought it was reasonable to think that it was going to be a committee here. But... Anyway, regardless, uh, he had 80 attempts for 463 yards and four touchdowns, averaged 5.8 yards a carry, which is fantastic. And he had 19 receptions for 218 yards and a touchdown, so very efficient when he caught the ball as well. Uh, I like Brees Hall enough. He definitely has that home run ability. The thing that I didn't like about him coming out as much as I liked about other guys, first of all, the contact balance is hit or miss, like I mentioned, with the leaner uh, lower body there. Uh, But also, the vision is best in the open space, and you're not always going to hit the open space every time you run the ball. So I really just thought, and I've mentioned this before, I don't like to major in something minor. I consider things like long speed to be something minor when it comes to the grand scheme of what's going to happen on the majority of plays. So the speed's great, but I don't think it's the end-all be-all, and I think people focus on it a little bit too much. I think the vision and contact balance are the most important things, and he didn't grade out super well on those for me. So regardless, supremely talented guy either way, and he was having a great rookie year until he tore his ACL. So he missed the remainder of the year. It remains to be seen if he's going to be ready for week one this year. But regardless, it seems like he's the number one guy going into the season. I know that they drafted Izzy Abanacanda, who I liked out of this draft class. But they drafted him, I believe, in the fifth round. And they still have Michael Carter there. I think, regardless, Brees Hall's the guy. But it does take these guys a little bit to get back into it when it comes to these ACL injuries and Achilles injuries, I wouldn't be shocked if he's not himself, at least for the first half of the year, maybe even longer than that. So we'll see when he's ready to go, and we'll see how effective he is when he does come back. But there's a long list of guys who do not come back super well the moment they come back from one of these injuries. 
Next guy I have in this tier, and the last guy I had in this tier, was Brian Robinson, uh, who went to Washington in the third round. And this was with the caveat that Brian Robinson, there were reports out of camp before he got shot in the leg by, uh, I believe, uh, somebody who was trying to rob him, um, that he was going to take over the starting role from Antonio Gibson. And then he got shot in the leg, and obviously he wasn't able to play at that point. So Antonio Gibson got the bulk of the work early in the season, but Brian Robinson had, for all intents and purposes, been named the starter for Washington. So he was named the starter, got shot in the leg, then he recovered, came back, and wasn't overly effective, uh, but he did take over the running back one role again when he came back gradually. So... You know, Brian Robinson, I gotta say it's impressive that he not only took the starting job once, but he also took it a second time after being shot in the leg. So, for Brian Robinson, uh, his write-up is uh, that he's able to identify holes play side, but won't look for the cutback. Uh, strong upper body to break tackles, but can be taken down with wrapping of the legs, kind of like uh, what I mentioned about Brees Hall. Uh, has solid jump cut ability, but isn't elusive otherwise. Uh, can catch dump offs out of the backfield and is excellent in pass protection and knows who to block when he is in pass protection. So Brian Robinson was kind of a middle of the pack guy for me just because he was not spectacular in any one given area. But he was ranked in this tier because it looked like at the very least going into the beginning of the season that he was going to be in a committee, but he was also named the starter. I put him in the committee portion here because I knew when he came back, he wouldn't be the guy right away the moment that he came back because obviously he was recovering from a gunshot wound in the leg. Um, so, how did he do last year? So, Brian Robinson played in 12 games, started 9, he had 205 attempts for 797 yards, two touchdowns, averaged 3.9 yards a carry, and as a receiver, he caught nine balls for 60 yards and one touchdown. So, not a dynamic receiving threat, as the write-up mentioned. Uh, he was okay as a runner. I do chalk up some of that to the fact that he was recovering from the leg injury. Another part of that is Washington had a really bad offensive line, but also he's not the most dynamic runner ever. So... It'll be interesting to see if he's the number one guy going into this season. I assume he is. I know there's some chatter about Antonio Gibson, and I won't get too far into that, but um, I don't know. Antonio Gibson has had the job, gotten into the doghouse because of fumbles, and then lost the job twice to a guy who got shot in the leg last year. I don't really see it happening for him as far as him being a super relevant fantasy piece. I mean, maybe he can be that true change of pace receiving back uh, that J.D. McKissick was. But regardless, I don't think he's a super big threat to Brian Robinson as a starter here. But Brian Robinson is probably a running back three at best, maybe super low end running back two. Uh, rosterable, obviously. Uh, you know, maybe a guy you want to plug in on a bye week, something like that, or if you're desperate on a team that really doesn't have many running backs. So he's startable. He's not ideal, but he's fine. Um, just kind of just a guy overall, but uh, you do like the work ethic, the ability for him to come back from that injury and everything, and uh, that 
was super awesome to see. All right, in the next tier, uh, the receiving running back tier, I have James Cook, who went to Buffalo in the second round. So for James Cook, Cook has good vision, is best in the open field, but not overly physical as a... He's not overly physical, but he's slippery when tacklers come to get him when it comes to his contact balance, and he slides off contact. He's smooth, and he doesn't slow down to make guys miss. He's above average in the speed department, but not the top, top end. Uh, He lacks consistent power when it comes to running the ball, Uh, but he's a great receiving option who can run slot routes and run out of the backfield. And he shows effort as a pass blocker, but really not enough power to truly anchor. So, James Cook, I'm a Buffalo fan, uh, as I've mentioned before. Kind of knew he was going to go into the season as a kind of receiving specialist, I thought. Or, at the very least, the running back two there. And that's kind of what happened for him. Uh, Just to give a quick synopsis of the season, because I watched all of it happen. He fumbled his first snap that he ever took as a pro. And was put in the doghouse right away after that. But he didn't fumble anymore after that. He was super efficient in the yards per carry department. And he got better and better as the weeks went by. I know some people are down on him because he's not huge or anything. But like I mentioned, he's got contact balance where he slips off of guys. You saw it last year. It translated to the NFL. It wasn't a fluke in college. He really is slippery and smooth. And I think he has a role as a starter in the NFL this year. But let's take a look at what he did last year. So in 2022, Cook played in 16 games, started none of them, uh, had 89 attempts for 507 yards and two touchdowns, averaged 5.7 yards a carry, which is fantastic. And he had uh, 21 receptions for 180 yards and one touchdown. So not the receiving numbers you would have expected, but I will say as a Bills fan, Josh Allen doesn't love throwing to running backs. He primarily throws to his wide receivers. That's where he kind of butters his bread. Um, I'd like to see him do that more, but uh, regardless, James Cook did show the ability to do that last year. And again, he was highly efficient when he ran the ball, especially later in the year. Uh, So now that Devin Singletary's gone, there's an opportunity for him to take the starting role. Uh, I think it'll be more of a 1A, 1B situation with him and uh, newbie, Damian Harris coming into the fold, but such differing skill sets. And I think because Cook is such a good receiver that he's going to be on the field more overall than Damian Harris. And I think if you want to plan for starting James Cook, when you look at the Bills' schedule, look at teams that are probably going to be able to score with the Bills and keep up with them for James Cook because he'll get some receiving work. But then if you want to start Damian Harris, if you've got him, look for the teams that are weaker that the Bills are probably going to run up the score on and really going to try to grind things out at the end of the game. So he'll get his carries, maybe a few goal line touches in that sense. But yeah, I think it's going to be more of a 1A, 1B situation, but I think Cook is the 1A in this situation. He has said so himself uh, in OTAs, and I believe him, and You know, I think at the very least, he's a really solid flex play. And my last guy in this tier, the receiving running back tier, is Rashad White, who went to Tampa Bay in the third round. So Rashad White has good peripheral vision, 
can fight through tackles, but easily gets his legs wrapped. Uh, he's got a high missed tackle force rate in the open field and has solid speed, but not a real top gear to take into the house. He's a receiving threat out of the backfield and the slot, very similar to James Cook. So Rashad White looks to have an opportunity here in 2023, but let's take a look at what he did last year. So White played in 17 games, started eight of them, and he had 129 attempts for 480 yards, one touchdown, averaged only 3.7 yards per carry. As a receiver, though, he had 50 catches for a super inefficient 290 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, the Bucks offense was overall inefficient last year, so I don't necessarily blame him for that. Uh, whether it was running the ball or passing the ball, that they passed for a crazy number of attempts, and the running game, whether it was Fournette or Rashad White, just did not look good. Both of them averaged less than four yards a carry behind a really bad injured offensive line. You expect that to be better with guys coming back healthy, um, but the quarterback situation isn't great there this year, so we'll see. There's probably going to be a lot of dump-offs to the running back, though, from either Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield, so that might be a good thing for Rashad White. Other thing he's got going for him, he's he's really the only guy there, of note at least. Chase Edmonds is there, but he's really fallen off after he was a pretty good receiving back with the Cardinals. Maybe he can reclaim that, but I'd assume that Rashad White, being a receiving back himself, is probably going to get the primary looks there. And then Sean Tucker went there as a UDFA and was paid a decent sized bonus to go there. So maybe he ends up running back too, but I don't think he's a true threat to take too much away from Rashad White here. I think Rashad White is the starter overall. Uh, maybe Sean Tucker can take things later in the year, but I don't like Sean Tucker's vision overall, and I don't like his effort overall when he's running the ball. So... I think Rashad White is probably the safer bet to be the starter here. I don't know if he's a top-end starter, probably a low-end running back two, high-end running back three, but the receiving upside is there, very similar to James Cook, and I think there's more of a workload for Rashad White than there would be for James Cook. My next tier here is the path to playing side tier with two players in it. Uh, so the first guy I have in here is Zamir White, who went to Vegas in the fourth round. Uh, Zamir White is a patient runner who sets defenders up. Uh, he absorbs and delivers contact, but can be tripped up by ankle tacklers, which is kind of a common theme amongst these uh, running backs in this class. Uh, he's an agile enough runner, uh, and he gets upfield quick after planting his foot. Uh, he's a functional receiver, but not featured there or in pass protection. So, Zamir White looked like he was going to have an opportunity last year, and it was super weird to see Josh Jacobs uh, starting in a preseason game. Uh, it kind of looked like he was going to be kind of the odd man out there, weirdly, that he was in the doghouse. And then Josh Jacobs had probably the best year of any running back last year. Uh, so, you know, he was the rushing leader last year. He was uh, top five in fantasy, so... Super weird dynamics there that ended up uh, happening, and Zamir White didn't really do much, but let's get into what he did last year. So, White played in 14 games, started zero, rushed 17 times for only 70 yards, 4.1 yard, 4 yards a carry, 
and had nothing going in the receiving game. I don't really know what to say here about Zamir White and the lack of opportunity. Um, I know some other running backs like Brandon Bolden and I think Amir Abdullah had more snaps than he did overall during the year. So uh, maybe he just wasn't trusted. Maybe he didn't show enough in practice. I'm not sure what it was, but a lot of people thought that there was going to be an opportunity there with Josh Jacobs on a contract year and things looking weird in the preseason with regard to whether Josh Jacobs was truly going to be the starting running back or not. Uh, And it went totally the opposite way that people were thinking it was going to go. So I like Zamir White's talent enough, but the way Josh Jacobs showed out this past year, uh, I don't really know what to expect here. Maybe the opportunity is there if Josh Jacobs doesn't play on the franchise tag. I think eventually he will or that some kind of deal will be met. But I don't think he's going to leave $10 million fully guaranteed on the table all year long. Uh, But if he does, there's an opportunity there for Zamir White to step in. And my second and last guy in the path to playing side tier is Isaiah Spiller, uh, who went to the LA Chargers in the fourth round. Uh, So Spiller's a patient runner who presses the line of scrimmage and sees cutback lanes really well. He bounces off of contact with low pad level and high knees. He runs a bit tall and lacks overall agility, has short area bursts, but not the home run speed that you'd look for. He has good hands out of the backfield and can win after the catch, but he's inconsistent as a pass blocker. So Isaiah Spiller was another guy that you thought going into the year maybe had an opportunity to at least be a decent handcuff for Austin Eckler. I know they were talking about getting Austin Eckler fewer touches in the running game and passing game because he was used so much, and they just ended up using him even more last year. So another one where the two guys in this tier, for whatever reason, it seemed like there was a path to playing time for them, and that path just got sealed shut by the coaching staffs, by overusing probably the running backs that were there. But regardless, that's what happened. They didn't have an opportunity to show anything. Again, you don't know if it's a lack of what they showed in practice. Maybe they couldn't trust these guys on game day when it came down to it. So maybe there's an opportunity next year. But let's take a look at what he did last year really quick. So Isaiah Spiller... Another guy who had uh, super paltry numbers, Uh, 18 rushes for 41 yards, 2.3 yards per attempt. Didn't mention that he only played in six games and only started two of, or rather he started no games, sorry. Uh, And then as a receiver, he caught three passes for 13 yards and that's it. So again, not really an opportunity there. Maybe an opportunity to be the number two back will be there this year with Kellen Moore coming in, but who knows. Alright, I'm calling an audible on this one. I didn't realize until I was done recording and editing that I had run so long, so I'm going to end it right here, right after the Path to Playing Time tier, and pick it back up in the Upside tier for tomorrow. So, you're going to get two episodes this week, not by design, but here we are. And, uh, yeah, so sorry it ran so long. Uh, But yeah, you're going to pick up with the upside tier, then finish off with the sleeper tier, and then I'm going to go back and look at where I was right and where I was wrong with this draft class at the end of the episode. So you're going to get two parts of the same episode here, 
And uh, I guess enjoy two episodes this week. And yeah, all right. Thanks.